you will at times in your life find yourself in caves. Here's what God's doing with you and me when we're in our caves. He is trying to confront our faith. He wants our faith to be strong. Have you ever found yourself in a cave? Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. There are times in all of our lives that we find ourselves in a place of darkness. But you know, without a test, we don't have a testimony. Today, David shares with us a message about how to overcome in times of testing of our faith in part one of a message called King David. Well, every week I recognize that there are spiritual skeptics and spiritual seekers who are a part of the gathering congregation. But I also realize that the vast majority of people who come are worshiping people, people who believe in Jesus. So let me just ask this question real quickly. Uh, How many of you are really serious about your relationship with Christ? You really want to be totally devoted followers of him? If so, raise your hand. Okay, the vast majority of people here have that as their desire. Well, well, here's what I want to share with you today. If you are really serious about your faith in Jesus, you will at times in your life find yourself in caves, places of deep darkness. And notice I use the word caves in the plural because if you're serious about Jesus, there's not just one But in your life, there will be several caves. Every great saint of the Lord, including Jesus himself, have known these times. St. John of the Cross in the 16th century termed these times as the deep, dark night of the soul. Mother Teresa, the great saint of Calcutta, went through these deep, dark nights of the soul. Even though when she was publicly amidst people, she gave the light of encouragement to so many, here is a letter she penned to a person one time in her life. The silence of emptiness is so great that I look to do and I do not see. I listen and do not hear. The tongue moves in prayer but does not speak. I want you to pray for me that I will let him, God, have a free hand with my life. I've had those deep, dark nights of the soul. I shared with you one last week in the mid-90s when I was ready to give up. And my wife spoke a word of encouragement to me. In the middle of the night, she said, David, I believe in you. And those were the words that kept me going. But that's not the only cave time I've had in my life. They've been plentiful. So what is the purpose of caves? Why does God permit us to move into deep, dark places in our lives? Well, let me give you a couple of insights. One of them is no test, no testimony. Say it with me. No test, no testimony. If you don't go through the test of faith, you'll never have a testimony about God. Jesus himself went through a deep, dark night of the soul. In Luke, the fourth chapter, after Jesus had his baptismal experience where God placed upon him the call upon his life to go die on the cross, be raised from the dead for the forgiveness of all people's sins everywhere, after his baptism, when he heard a voice from heaven that said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, 
Luke 4 tells us immediately thereafter, the Spirit of God drove Jesus into the wilderness, into the caves to be tempted by the devil. No test, no testimony. Here's another way of saying the same thing. The greater the level, the greater the devil. Let me say that one again. The greater the level, the greater the devil. The more serious you are in intentionality about your relationship with Christ, raising yourself to a higher level of commitment to him, the greater the devil will attack you. The spirit led Jesus, not the devil, the spirit led Jesus into the cave to be tempted by the devil because he just received the high calling from God. No test, no testimony. The greater the level, the greater the devil. If you're serious about Jesus, you will have cave times in your life. The teacher, the pupil's not greater than the teacher. If Jesus had it happen to him, those who follow him will have it happen to us. It also happened to a man named David. 1 Samuel 13 says he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who committed adultery, murder, was a bad dad, and yet God continued to use him graciously because he had a heart for God. David, too, was driven by, by God into the caves, driven into times of darkness. Uh, let's look at when these happened. The first cave was at a place called Adullam, A-D-U-L-L-A-M. But in order to understand this cave, you need to understand what was happening beforehand. David is a man on the run. He was the first fugitive long before the movie with Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford. <laughs> David was the first fugitive. Saul wanted his life. King Saul, in his own paranoia and jealousy, saw David as a threat to the throne and wanted him dead. So he starts to pursue him. David leaves the capital city and runs, first of all, to the high priest named Ahimelech. And he says to Ahimelech, I need some food, first of all. I am really hungry. So Ahimelech gives him the showbread in the tabernacle that was set aside to remind the people in worship of God, feeding them every day with daily manna. And Ahimelech gives David this bread to eat. And interestingly, in the New Testament, you'll see this story referred to by Jesus when the Pharisees question whether he should allow his disciples to eat grain on the Sabbath. Jesus says, my goodness, even Ahimelech gave a man after God's own heart, King David, bread on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's for our benefit the Sabbath exists, Jesus tried to teach. So Ahimelech gives David this bread. Then David says, do you have any weaponry I can have because I'm a man on the run? And he gives him Goliath's sword. The nine-foot-plus giant's sword. So David, this smaller guy, is walking around with a huge sword as he continues running away. Now, real quickly, when Ahimelech gave David this bread, there was a guy who oversaw it, and his name was Doeg the Edomite. Aren't you going to name your next son Doeg the Edomite? Well, Doeg was a spy of Saul's, and he sees all of this happening with Ahimelech and David. Keep that in mind. I'll come back to it in just a moment. So David runs away, and the first place he thinks maybe he can hide is in the city of Gath, 
One of the major cities of Philistia, the Philistines hated the Jews. The Jews hated the Philistines. They were in constant conflict with one another. Why David thought he could hide there, no one really knows. The king, Achish, though, finds out David is living among them. He remembers the giant Goliath story with David. He starts putting pressure on David, maybe even thinking David's going to be arrested and imprisoned. What does David do? He feigns craziness. He feigns frothing at the mouth. He pretends to be a lunatic. And Achish says, get out of this area. I don't need you around here. You're crazy. So David leaves Philistia. And after he leaves there, he goes to the cave of Adullam. There he hides from Saul, a fugitive on the run. In just a moment, David lost his job, his wife, all his financial savings and benefits, his home, his closest friend Jonathan, his reputation, and his self-respect. And he is alone in a deep, dark, dank cave called Adullam. And there he rests. The Lord drives him into a cave. Now, as I've taught you before, First and Second Samuel tells the life of David. The Psalms tell the heart of David. Let me say that again. First and Second Samuel gives us the life of David. The Psalms give us the heart of David. So while David is in the cave, he writes two Psalms. Now, here's what's going on. It's probably a time of silence that's described to us in First Samuel 22, verse 1. It says, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So there's a time of silence there. And then when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. And he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. So a part of what David does is something with his family that we'll look at in just a second. But before then, focus with me on verse 1. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Before his family came to him and before the 400 people in distress came to him, David was there for some period of loneliness. In isolation, God began to deal with the heart of David in the cave. Folks, here's what God's doing with you and me when we're in our caves. He is trying to confront our faith. He wants our faith to be strong. Everything in this world fades, but faith, hope, and love are the only three things we'll take into eternity with us. Jesus in Luke 18.8 said this, When the Son of Man returns, and he will most certainly return, folks, I promise you, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? God's greatest desire is for you and me who follow him to have a deep, abiding heart of faith. And our heart of faith is most consumed with God in the caves. It's only when we're alone in the darkness that God can do his major work of surgery upon our hearts of faith. And God is going to get at David's faith in the cave. We see that in the two psalms that he wrote while in the cave. 
So let's look at those two Psalms, Psalm 57 and Psalm 142, which express the heart of David in the cave. And if you're in a cave right now, if you're in a place of darkness, go with David to Psalm 57 and Psalm 142 and claim his faith declarations that he makes, but also learn from him how he handled God dealing with his faith in the cave. They are lessons that are eternal in scope. Join with me. Psalm 57. Here's how David begins. In the cave, he cries out, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful. Now, the word mercy in the Bible means not getting what we deserve. Is anyone here glad today that God doesn't give us what we deserve? If God gave me, David Chadwick, what I deserve in my rebellion against him and my sinfulness, I would go to hell. I would spend eternity in hell. But praise God, Ephesians 2, that he is rich in grace and mercy. He doesn't give me what I deserve, especially through Jesus who died on the cross to forgive me for my sins. David begins by crying out, be merciful to me, O God, twice, be merciful to me. Don't give me what I deserve. Folks, this is so important because a twin sister of faith is humility. You can't have faith without humility. So David begins his whole conversation with God in the cave. Don't give me what I deserve. Don't give me what I deserve. You're God. I'm not God. And most of my problems come when I get those two things confused. Then he continues his conversation with God. For in you, my soul takes refuge. Refuge. What does that word mean? Well, if you or I were illegal immigrants, we would be termed refugees. And a refugee is always looking for refuge, a place of safety. So David says, my soul wants to take refuge, a place of safety in you, God, and you alone, not in the things of this world. For in the cave, you don't have anything else upon which you can depend. In the cave, you've got God and God alone. So David says, my soul, my inner life, my eternal life takes refuge in you. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. Now, it even happens today in America, on the plains, when there's a prairie fire, after it's over, people will go try to pick up any pieces that are left over. They'll often find a mother hen with her wings spread out. She is scorched to death, but if you lift up one of her wings, you'll find her chicks alive. That's the image David's using here. Lord, as there are scorching fires all around me, as I'm in the darkness of this cave, I find refuge under your wings. And by the way, that's a beautiful image of Jesus, isn't it? Who died to protect us from the fires of hell. David takes refuge under the wings, in the shadow of the wings of God. Till the storms of destruction pass by. That's a faith declaration. In the cave, he says, I do believe one day the storms of destruction will pass by. In that cave, everyone who's growing in faith realizes the storm will pass by. My daddy's favorite Bible verse, he told me over and over again, was this one. And it came to pass. It will pass by. This cave won't last forever. You make the faith declaration in the cave, one day I believe it will pass by. I cry out to God. 
People ask me sometimes, when I'm in a cave, when it's really dark and I'm depressed, can I cry out to God? Can I really get angry with God? Because I don't like my dark cave. Here's my answer. Of course you can. God's a big God. He can handle it. He knows you're angrier than you even know you're angry. He's okay with you crying out to him. But also go to the next two words. I cry out to you most high. Notice David calls God most high, not more high. He is the most high God. He is over everything and anything in the universe. There's nothing higher than he is. He's the most high God. Therefore, we can depend upon God who rules over the caves of our lives. He is Lord over the caves to take care of us. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. David's in a cave believing that God's working his purposes out. Why? Folks, faith is rooted in the character of God. If you don't believe God is good, you can't have faith. So David believed God was good, and he was somehow working his purposes out in the cave. When you're in your cave, you've got to say, God, I don't understand it, but I know you're good. And I believe with all of my heart, you are working your purposes out in the cave. Indeed, I believe the cave is a part of your purpose for my life. I believe somehow you are taking me to a deeper place in you in this cave. You're working your purposes out. He will send from heaven and save me. Faith declaration. One day this will pass. You will deliver me from this cave. You will save me. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with a conversation about the importance of life's choices. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, we all been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen and that kind of grew into the Dream Center and the meals we've fed the last eight weeks probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Tom Westboro and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals. And, and we just thank you, Moments of Hope, and just this couldn't be, this wouldn't be possible without you guys. And, you know, uh, the, the first call we made uh, when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the Moments of Hope. And it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes. And so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um, everything you all do for us and for the kingdom. And not only that, but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the Dream Center now. This week started producing meals there, and as the restaurants open back up, all the meals will shift to the Dream Center. 
with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful for you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope. And we just pray an unlimited return and harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks so much for being with us today. Yes, my pleasure, Jen. Great being with you as well. Well, David, in this morning's e-devotion, you challenge each of us to look closely at the life choices we make. I'd love to hear more on this. Yeah, here is exactly the Davidism. We are the sum total of all of our life choices. And that's so true. Um, In the church I pastor, Moments of Hope Church, I regularly, probably ad nauseum to the (laughs) listeners, ask this question, how many of you would like to return in your life to a previous stage and redo some life choices? Most everybody raises their hands. For the others who don't, I go, liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) I better put my hand up. (laughs) We all have places in our lives we'd love to go back and remake life choices. And it's because we are the sum total of all of our life choices. So every single day, we need to make wise choices. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 and 19, Moses adjures all of his readers to choose life. That's a good principle by which we should garner our life choices. Mm. Choose life. If ever we have a life's choice, always choose life. And I think Moses was just trying to remind all of us of the importance of daily choosing wisely. Joshua, at the end of his life in Joshua 24, 15, gathered the people around him and he says, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we choose to follow the Lord. So every single day, we are confronted with choices of either following the world's ways, the culture's ways, or following Christ's ways, or following the Word of God's ways. Mm -hmm. And as we make those choices over a lifetime, those choices eventually lead to life or to death. Again, back to Deuteronomy 30, that's what Moses was trying to say. When you choose life, you will have a life full of blessings. When you choose death, death will follow you as well. So I just want to adjure all of our listeners today During this day, you only have the next 24 hours. Choose wisely. Choose to follow Jesus faithfully. Choose to obey the will of God. When you do so, day after day, week after week, and year after year, you will have a life that's full of blessings, and you will be able to say like Joshua, as for me and my house, we have chosen to follow the Lord. This is so good. And for a practical in-our-home application of this, I'm having this conversation with our children right now about making health choices with what you're putting in your body because you you are what you eat. eat that's exactly and right. This is just one little practical way to infuse the biblical principle with my children as I'm raising them right now. Yeah, Jen, you are what you eat. Uh, you are what you think. Mm-hmm. You know, what you're allowing into your mind each day. Would people stop and look at the screen on the television or the screen on their computer and say, nope, I'm not going to allow that into my mind. Mm-hmm. It's not healthy. It's not godly. No, I'm choosing to close that down and not 
not let that in. So we make choices all day long choosing to exercise our bodies. I don't feel like walking today. I don't feel like jogging today. I don't feel like doing any of these calisthenics I need to do. Do them anyway. Mm -hmm. You'll feel, A, so much better after you do them, but B, you've made a life choice that will make you healthier for the long term. So good. Thank you so much, David. Everyone, you are the sum total of all your life choices. Choose wisely. If you'd like to receive these daily Davidisms from me, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there from my heart to yours free of charge to help your day begin every morning, 7 a.m. with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for revival in our nation.